The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. Thank you, as always, to those who mail me. A particular thank you to those who let me know where in the world you are mailing me from. I am butchering my language today. Not sure what's going on. It's a hot day here in Cape Town, so I'll blame the weather. I'll blame, I'll blame Greta. I'll find something or somebody to blame. Uh, jump into the live chat and uh, as always say hi if you are watching via the video feed. Uh, hi, uh, I think you can watch us on X now also. So YouTube, Rumble and X as far as I can tell, all the links are on TNT's website. Um, I think that is all my housekeeping, Alex. So let's, uh, let's jump to this. Uh, my name is Jim, this is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Trevor Kitchen, Happy New Year and uh, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Well, thanks, Jeremy, and a Happy New Year to you. And I'm glad to hear that your weather is better than ours. Even though I'm in Portugal, it's, uh, it's quite a, a brutal winter we're having here. Um, it's quite cold today. Um, yeah, so nice to be with you anyway. Uh, well, so what temperature is it? I mean, so right now, if I look at my computer, it says that it's 30 degrees and it is just past four o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, over here, we've got probably outside about 16, 17, which isn't too bad for winter. It's better than the UK, but it's, it's yeah. unusual. That there's definitely something going on with the climate or, or the environment, let's say. Or the climate, both of them. <laughs> well, things are supposed yeah. to be hot. Uh, a global boiling, Trevor, global boiling. Haven't you heard? That's the new catchphrase. No, I haven't heard that. Not at all. Mm. Global boiling. Came out, now, I, what, it? When oh. did it come out, Alex? Like about a year ago, this, this idea of global boiling. Uh, it's hilarious. But it's, it's so <laughs> fear porn orientated, Trevor. Terrible. Well, we've, we've certainly got a change in weather over here, um, and I don't know whether people believe in this. A lot of people think it's a conspiracy with these um, chemtrails. Now, just the other day, we had perfectly blue sky, and we had these um, vapor trails from a dozen aircraft that were flying overhead yeah. at, at about uh, 10,000 meters. And uh, you can actually see the vapor trail for about 10 or 15 kilometers, and it just hangs oh. Now, Now then, I know that that's not vapor, because I've been around a long time, and I used to look up in the sky, see that, yeah. and it would disappear after a minute, and it only was about probably half a kilometer behind the aircraft. So this yeah. sits there, and my wife and I said, look at this, beautiful sunny day today, we went outside, and we went to the, the town, and by the time we got to town, it had all turned gray, the whole sky. And these, 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 yeah. these um, chemtrails, or whatever they want to call them, they seem to widen, and they get wider and wider, and they sort of cover the whole sky then. Um, and this is very unusual for Portugal to have this type of weather. It, it does get cold in winter, but we've got the whole um, sky outside now is just completely gray, which is very unusual. Um, I've, I've done a couple of shows on geoengineering and it certainly is a real thing. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. There definitely, there definitely is uh, a collection of various types of experimentation going on, whether malicious or, or not malicious, um, Trevor. So I, I can absolutely vouch for the fact that these things are real, they do exist. I'm just not certain if what you see above you is affecting me all the way down at the bottom tip of Africa. Well, I think um, this is one thing I noticed going back to the late 60s and uh, going through the 70s and 80s when I used to fly up and down to South Africa to visit my folks. I noticed mm. that the, the cloud formations changed. It used to be that in, in, in the late 60s, early 70s, you'd fly out of London, you'd get above all the smog of Europe, and as soon as you hit North Africa, 
everything was crystal clear all the way down to yeah. Johannesburg. That changed. <laughs> Welcome and to I, Africa. And <laughs> yeah, and, and over the years, I, I used to go up and down on business a lot of the time as well. And I'd, I'd sit with businessmen and they'd look out the window and they were frequent flyers too. And they said the same to me. They said, this is northern hemisphere weather now in South Africa. I'm talking mm-hmm. now in the 90s. So when you'd arrive in the 90s in Joburg, it wasn't like it was in the 70s. So there's definitely been a climate change. Um, and I'm not surprised at that when you see all of the industrial worlds, you know, in China, all the industry that's going on in India and China, which is where most of it is. And, you know, that doesn't sort of stop at the borders, does it? That pollution. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, look, it's, it's quite funny because you and I, we're going to be chatting about the uh, criminalization of language. Um, but what's interesting is the, the criminalization of climate change language hasn't really kicked in. There are a lot of other things like vaccines that you can't talk about, certain events throughout world history, uh, such as a particular one in World War II, you can't really speak about depending on which country you're in. Uh, there, are, there are various topics that are taboo to various degrees, but climate change yet hasn't really been touched. Have you noticed? Yes, uh, and I think the right word to use instead of taboo nowadays is forbidden. <laughs> yeah. It's forgotten. <laughs> and it, it, it's crazy that we're not allowed to talk about these things. And you have to ask, where is this coming from? Yeah, why? Who, who, it, it, yeah. Who's bringing this up? And there's a lot of people who have observed yeah. these changes, and even in the younger generations. But the older generations notice it more than ever. And it's quite a shock. It's a culture shock for the older people because... We used to speak freely about these things, and that was what free speech yeah. was about. You just spoke freely. Of course, it's nothing to do with insulting people. It's, it's an opposition to what you're being told. And now they, now they regard you as a dissident. And you know, as TNT is all about free speech, I think we should get into that. It is, they are mm. criminalizing speech. Agree. And, it, and when we say they, we have to say, well, who? And that is the people who that, that is the people who are writing the laws, the lawmakers. Yeah. And what well, and, the, and the ones above them. And the ones above them, but the yeah, yeah the ones who pass the legislation in, in in the parliaments, and then you can go a step further and say, well, okay, parliament changes the law; they make new legislation based on what the lawmakers tell them, but the lawmakers. Are lawyers and lawyers are interested in their job their profession and that gives them money that gives them an income that's their career and uh, there's a there's an organization in Basel in Switzerland um, or it was no sorry it was established in Switzerland it's now in Strasbourg in the EU and this is called the CBBE and this is an association of lawyers and their main aim is to protect their profession. Now, a lot of these law firms, um, and I'm only going on the ones that I've known about in Switzerland, they tend to be um, uh, working with foundations and trusts. Where I'm going with this, it's all about economics. So if the parliament are allowing these people to come forward with proposals to change laws that silence dissidents or people of opposition, to oppress them, then they're coming along these uh, lawyers and saying, well, let's do this because it's good for the economy. And then, the, of course, politicians pass the law and they say, yeah, anything mm-hmm. that's good for the yeah. economy. So who is who, who's running politics? It's not, it's not the politicians who we uh, vote for. It's people in the background, the bankers, <laughs> the economists, the people and yeah. the corporations, the major corporations. And in fact, a few years ago, and I'd say quite a few years ago, probably before COVID, a young team of uh, highly educated academics uh, from Northern Europe, I think they were Scandinavian, they went into Brussels and they did a complete check on what was going on, who controls politics. 
and they went into Brussels and Brussels allowed them into the uh, European Commission and they found out that it was the large corporations. It was the corporations like Philips, like General Electric, uh, although that's yeah. American. But you know where I'm going with this. So it is the corporations. Yeah. And when these politicians have voted in, the most important thing for the politician is to make sure that the economy is working well for everyone. So they will bend over backwards to stop people who affect, with their speech, <laughs> the economy. So if you come out and you start saying things against banking or financial institutions, in fact, in Switzerland just last year, they've, made it into, they've turned it not into a speech crime, it's now espionage. That's in the law. Espionage, wow. Gee. Yeah. If you, if, you, if you report anything on banking in Switzerland, if you're an insider and you find some wrongdoing or fraud or money laundering or tax evasion at a high level, and you report it, you take inside information and you report that, just like Julian Assange did, but with something else that was, wasn't it? Then, in Switzerland, they'll say, now we've got, yep, Yo, yeah, Switzerland's supposed to be the most democratic country on the planet. Yeah. But don't exactly. forget who's, who's there. You've got the WEF, you've got yes. the uh, Bank of International Sell Settlements, yeah, and you've got the World Health Organization. So you've got wealth and health. Mm. You've got the strongest currency in the world appreciating as I speak. And that's where 70% of the world's wealth is kept, is in Switzerland. So back to the free speech, it's all about secrecy. They have to keep these things secret and hidden, private. So in Switzerland, for example, they have a law called privacy and secrecy laws, and it hits on the subject of honor, of honor. If you dishonor someone, if you say something about them, it's a crime. Now, this is very oh. important, and we could talk about this for weeks. We could come back and have another one on this, because it's so important for the future generations. If they don't put a stop to this, they will be telling you how to, how to think in the future. And they're coming with that, with software, with these apps and programming. Jeez. You know, they're going to put, they're going to, all the lawyers will be put out of business, and the, it will be programmed. The law will be programmed in software. And they're already working on that. So it will be computers that are telling you, and people, you know, when you say computers, people really think of robots and artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is nothing more than software. Software written uh, by some very clever people back in the day, but now it writes its own program. And it's collecting inf information, and it's building up these uh, databases. So you won't need lawyers. Um, you know, just like you don't need uh, people in manufacturing, they use robots. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I think, actually, before I ask you my next question, Alex, let's just quickly do a break um, so I don't have to jump, jump in between conversations. So let's do that rather. Trevor, I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jim. This is TNT. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is locked in Loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. 
We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Trevor, before we went live, you and I were chatting just a little bit about the notion of free speech. When we talk about free speech, what are we talking about? Uh, free speech is basically your right to, to hold an opinion, have an expression. It's everything. You're taught language in school. And then you're told when you, when you get to a certain age that you're not allowed to use certain language. How do we communicate? You know, free speech means not having war. Free speech mm. entitles people to negotiate. If you take that away, you end up with situations like Russia and Ukraine are in, and uh, Israel and uh, Palestine. These are people who are not able to sit down at the table and negotiate. Human beings have developed so far through speech. And if you, if you look back into, you know, in, in the previous wars, what, what were they doing? Burning books and forbidding people to speak. These are uh, oppressive uh, times that we're living in. You know, and I, the point is, how did we arrive here? And, and I think I've got a, an idea on that. And uh, it goes back to, as, as, since the 60s, we've had a lot more um, uh, immigration and uh, movement of people around the planet. And when you move one culture into another culture that don't speak the same language, um, yeah. you're going to get a, a difference of an opinion. And I remember watching this on a, on a UK documentary once where there was one man from the Middle East and he'd been living in the UK. He was actually a politician. And he told people on a discussion, speech has consequences. Now, well, I agree to a degree, you can if you insult people, it's not nice. But you should never criminalize speech, ever. How can speech be a, be a crime? And I know for a start, you're in South Africa, they follow common law in South Africa. That speech is not a crime. Now, let me, let me give you another shock well, for the whole of Europe. There are, there are two things. In South Africa, there are two things that will probably get you into jail. Um, and that is a particular word that refers to black people and flying the old South African flag. Yeah, that's insults. I wouldn't relate that to free speech when people are trying to, let's say, report right. crime or wrongdoing or, or just ah, speaking right, right. freely um, about their opinions. Yeah, yeah. Insulting people with things, yeah. Or if you walk around saying, I've put a bomb somewhere, of course you're going to get arrested. And, um, mm, mm. But I'll, I'll give you this shocker, and that is that many years ago, I'm talking probably two decades ago, uh, there were three countries in Europe that abolished um, defamation as crime. And that was the United Kingdom, Southern Ireland, the, the Republic of Ireland, and Norway. Every single other country in Europe has maintained archaic defamation laws now, and they're criminal. They're not civil. You don't get into a court and say, look, you've defamed me because you've ruined my business because you said the wrong things. Now, defamation in a civil case, you'd have two lawyers, your lawyer, my lawyer, and we'd be sitting in a court and they'd be saying, what, and you'd have to prove that what you said was not true. Then you've got a yeah. defamation case. Then you, then you pay a fine. You don't go to prison for it you compensate the guy for ruining his reputation if you've lied. If it's true, there's no case. 
and, and what they've done in Europe is they've maintained these it, all across Europe, and uh, I'm a classic example of this because I'm shackled in Portugal still. I can't move anywhere because if I move into any other country than Portugal, I'll be extradited back to Switzerland to face three years in prison for defaming a banker who owed me money because I had written letters to the authorities complaining that I was being defrauded and blackmailed. They took that as a criminal offence, but they didn't take it only oh. as a criminal offence. Listen, oh. this is what they said to me. You have, uh, your words have implied physical violence. Oh. Now, why would they do that? Because in, in other countries that where defamation is not a crime, threatening people is. So they can, they can actually cover those three other countries that I just mentioned, Norway, Ireland, and the UK. So I can't even go to those countries if they've now upped the ante and, and said that I've, uh, my words, uh, what was it? They said in the arrest warrant, it said, gave the prospect of making the other person feel that you would use physical violence. They're talking sure. about a 72-year-old guy using words against people is going to go and harm somebody physically. This is ridiculous. And again, you have to go to the point and say, why would they do this? And it's all to teach the future how they're going to control you. They're going to control how you speak, how you express yourself, your opinions, so that they can direct the way you go. Look at what happened with COVID. Look at what they did with COVID. There were people on one side saying, oh, we better get injected and follow what the law says. And there were others saying, no. And they were arresting those people and putting them into these, uh, I think in Australia, they were putting them in these sort of semi-concentration camps. They were isolating people because they wouldn't do as they were told. So this is all about the governments, and just as the... The, the previous show where the guy came on and I think he said something, I don't trust my governments. I don't. I don't trust any of these governments, especially governments that um, hold um, these old-fashioned laws like they do in Europe. They're Napoleonic laws, by the way, whereas in the UK we use common law. South Africa, you use common law, and so the same goes in Australia. But, uh, but even there, Trevor. they are managing <laughs> to use... <yeah. laughs> Yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm yeah, in Africa, <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, in Africa, there's a healthy, healthy distrust of pretty much any government. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But I, I still think, I, I, I never felt under threat in, in South Africa of speaking out when I lived there. No, you, know, you don't, you won't, like you won't really get arrested said, for speaking out in South Africa. No, no. Mm. Yeah. So, how do, you, how do you feel about so, that? I mean, look, whistleblowing, for what, example. Have you heard of all these whistleblowers in Switzerland who have been arrested? Many of them. I yes, yes, I saw that one, I saw that one article. Yeah, that, Tre Trevor, that one article yeah. I think you sent me was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I sent you a couple, and the one that I think I, I spoke about was a lawyer who's trying, a Swiss lawyer, is now trying to have his name removed from a, a, a yes. one of these um, journalists, online journalist shows, and he's saying that, the right know, to be forgotten. although he's been disbarred, yeah, he's been disbarred in America, he's been disbarred in uh, Switzerland, and, uh, well, I'm not so sure about Switzerland, but definitely the UK, and he's saying that this person has def defamed him. Now, if that, that reporter landed in Switzerland, he'd face three years in prison for defaming that lawyer although that lawyer has been disbarred. It's incredible. So, yeah, there's that point, but there's the other point. These whistleblowers that were arrested in Switzerland for reporting financial crime that affects the economy, they were arrested and they were in prison. There are other people that have been, had their lives destroyed in uh, whistleblowers. They call themselves whistleblowers. These people are just, uh, I think they're just decent human beings who see something wrong and they, they feel the need to report it, you know, and they go out and report mm. it, and then they get labeled being a whistleblower. A whistleblower to me sounds a little bit like a snitch, you know, somebody who's telling, like, in, you know, remember in school they would call you a snitch if you went and told something, and 
It's all about a tattletale. <laughs> so I thought it was like that. But these, the, a lot of these whistleblowing law firms um, that uh, profess to be protecting whistleblowers, I think they are actually buffers. They are a barrier. They are put there by the governments to say attract whistleblowers so that we can filter the whistleblowers who are affecting our economy and we can use defamation laws against them, for example. You see where I'm going with this? They, they put mm -hmm. a whistleblowing law firm there, somebody sees some wrongdoing in society, and I mean genuine wrongdoing, you know, harm against children, all these things that are going on in the world, and those things seem to be on the increase too. And those people run along and they, they go to those whistleblowing law firms for advice. It only gets them into trouble. I don't know one whistleblower who hasn't had their lives ruined. Mm, it's true what you say, well, Trevor. Uh, when my wife and I, when mm -hmm. when my wife and I were in um, in Amsterdam uh, a few months ago, uh, I noticed immediately that there is a certain degree of I won't say criminalization of speech, but you certainly are encouraged in some weird kind of psychological way to avoid certain topics. You just certain things you don't do i don't i don't know how that came to be and I, i'm also i'm struggling to 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 describe it there's like some sort of weird unseen pressure for you not to let's say criticize lgbtq for example here in south africa mm -hmm. we have a lot wrong but some of the things that we do have right is that we still can very much uh be politically incorrect we can still speak out against a lot of stuff with a with a fair degree of yeah. of of protection from the constitution as it as it happens uh but it doesn't seem to be the case in these regions i asked and i noticed the same thing when i was in france it's the same sort of thing yeah it, I think you just I kind of the reason why. yeah i think i do know why um look you've traveled a little bit but i i've traveled mm quite a bit. I've lived and worked in about eight different countries. Uh, and mm. traveling is a little bit like, uh, instead of sitting in one country reading a book, you're actually going out and you're reading the world. You're actually going to different places and having first-hand mm. knowledge. And the countries that I've lived in, uh, not to sound like I'm bragging or anything, but I've lived in Australia, I've lived in South Africa, I've lived and worked there, I've paid taxes there, and I've lived in the number Australia. of countries in Europe. Hang on, Trevor, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why I would you want Australia to live in Australia? <laughs> I, I, I actually made a big mistake in leaving Australia. In, uh, I only stayed there <laughs> two years, and I made a mistake. I was offered a job, <laughs> I was offered a job back in, in Switzerland, actually, and I took it, because you know why? I got greedy. The money was good. And that was the biggest mistake in my life. I wish I had stayed there. Because mm. as soon as you leave um, Australia or South Africa and you're out of the country longer than two years, you, you lose your residence. And I had permanent residence. But to get back to your point now, why is it like that in Europe? If you find these people in Europe are just going on holiday down to Spain for holidays and they're living in Amsterdam or Stuttgart or somewhere in Austria or Switzerland and they just pop off on holiday once in a while. They have no real experience other than the hotel that they're going to for their holiday in the beach, right? It doesn't broaden their mind in any way at all, just traveling on holidays and sitting in a hotel for a couple of weeks. And what I noticed when I moved back from Australia and South Africa, let's take South Africa for example, I moved back to Europe and the first country I landed in was, uh, was Holland. I was in a place called Hilversum. I had a job offer there and uh, this happened to me not just there but it happened in Switzerland where I would be talking in a pub, having a beer, and people would say, where have you come from? And I said, well, South Africa. And the first thing they'd say is, uh, people would interject within the bar, they'd come over and interrupt you and say, oh, how could you live in such a country? And I said, well, the first thing I have to ask you, have you been there? Do you know yeah. what the country yeah. is about and why the, why the politics are like they are? Because you have to first 
before you can discuss with somebody, you have to be talking on the same wavelength. And this yeah. was always the, the, the opinion I had. And I wondered what, why in Switzerland they were so anti other countries in this respect. You know, they were anti-America, anti-Australia, anti all sorts of places. And, uh, and, the, and the reason I asked why, the, the answer they, that they, you know, I could never get a proper answer from these people. And I said, all I can think of is that this is a small country with small-minded people. You have mountains all around you. So wherever you walk, you've got a mountain stuck in front of you. You never see the horizon. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know, if you live in these wider open spaces like Australia and South Africa, I think it was the guy who wrote um, one of the books down there. What was it? Uh, the famous writer who went out into the Orange Free State and he got all his inspiration <laughs> writing these books in, in the Orange Free State. Um, this, oh, they made movies about this. Um, uh, I can't remember his name offhand. It'll come in a minute. But uh, I think that's a lot to do with the way people think, to, to answer your question. Mm. Uh, so well, look, if you're, if you're meeting people, yeah. No, I was going to say, to be fair, uh, I, I, I can understand anti-Australia sentiment because, I mean, anybody who wears a hat with corks hanging around it, I mean, uh, that's enough for me to be anti. <laughs> have, you, have you been down to Australia? Have you ever yeah, been I spent about a month. Yeah, I spent about a month in Sydney. Absolutely amazing place. Really, really enjoyed it. Beautiful beaches. Uh, absolutely great alcohol. I mean, weirdly enough, good wine, good, uh, well, I mean, not weirdly enough, but I suppose as expected, but great beer also. I mean, it really was a great place. Um, I I just struggled a little bit because it, it's it's um, it's kind of in a way like being in South Africa. It's very similar to, to South Africa, um, just with a lot more Asians mm -hmm. and, and, and gay people. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> and, and Alex, uh, Alex is just nodding. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think the corks are to keep the flies away from those hats. That's, you know, we were down there a couple of years ago um, in the bush, and I had to buy one of those nets to go over the top of my head because there were just so many mm. flies. That's the only thing that really put me off, especially as you go up the East Coast there, you get a lot of flies. Is that right, Alex? <laughs> I, I think it is about. I think it is for the flies. I actually bought one of those hats because you you don't you don't really get them. I mean, you get them here, but they're more like sort of in a novelty store. They're not the real thing. Uh, so I, when I was in Sydney, I did actually buy a real one, but I had to hide it because it's it's. I mean, I think Alex will agree. It's pretty frowned upon if you are in Australia with one of those hats. Hey, Alex, <laughs> he's saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, listen, Trevor. Let me just quickly go to. Your, hold yeah. on, hold on. Let's let's yeah, let's sure. come back to that after the break. Let me just quickly go to a, to a break. I'll be back there shortly. My name is Germ. This is TNT. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez, and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding. Please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. 
With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, Trevor, I'm getting a few comments uh, from people wondering why I'm bashing Australia. I'm not actually bashing Australia. It's mostly because Alex is Australian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the South, the South Africans get on very well with the, with the Aussies. Yes, yeah. man. Of course we do. It's a great country. It's a really, it's a really great country. Uh, I mean, any country that, that does good beer is a great country, let's be honest. Yeah. I think to I think to remember they had two is and four x, four x's wasn't it? Yeah, I had four x. I enjoyed that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think mm. it, yeah, I think what you're, it's just uh, light-hearted banter, isn't it? Really. <laughs> Somebody doesn't <laughs> like uh, uh, <laughs> the beer. Which beer? Uh, oh, by the way, and the so, other reason that okay, and yes, the real reason why anybody would be anti-Australia. It's because the Australian, the Australian military lost <laughs> to emus. Have you heard about the the Great Emu War, <laughs> Trevor? <laughs> it's like yeah. there was. A, I don't. I don't know when it was. Um, Alex can probably remind me. But a few decades ago, there was a problem <laughs> with emus and farmers, and so they something it goes something along the lines of they called in the military with machine guns to take out all these emus <laughs> and they lost <laughs> the emus won <laughs> oh. okay. uh, it's a true story i promise i saw it on wikipedia um and alex is going to pull up the information in a moment but but now that is pretty funny i mean imagine losing to birds 1932 there we go thanks alex 1932 Oh, there we go. Yeah, got it. Okay, nineteen <laughs> Anyway, anyway, it's a bit of a tricky one to segue back to our, our general talking point, but I think that is there is something there that we must be able to talk, as you rightly say, about anything without being criminalized. Um, I made the point to you before my show that I, I don't want people coming into my home and and insulting my wife right so there is a there is a boundary um i'm also i'm also uncomfortable with with people in the cinema talking on their cell phones uh that's not the right place for free speech if that makes sense but as you point out that's not really a free speech issue no i wouldn't say that's free speech i I think free speech Mm. ties into more political things not not so much like Mm. insult or an annoyance in the cinema with a with a phone i agree with that they they should switch them off they shouldn't be allowed to have phones on when other people are speaking either um you know in these uh these meetings it's just downright rude but yeah i I wouldn't classify that as uh you know free speech or anything like this um you know, and the thing is about free speech, I think it all goes back to this um, free speech for who? Lawyers can say what they want, and bankers yeah. and governments can say and do what they want, but you can't. I mean, take for example, how do you hold these people accountable? I read last week in the newspaper, there was a guy, I think in America, his name was Glenn Simmons. He was in prison for 49 years of his life. For a, for a malicious prosecution. It was a false prosecution. Why are the prosecutors not held accountable for those things? Yeah. She's t- and the same the thing with the... prosecutor is this guy's life, you know? Yeah, Trevor, it would be the yeah. same with the fake rape accusation also. Like, the prosecutor should be held accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... Mm. Um, the thing is, if you try to speak out about those things nowadays, and I, I don't know whether this has become worse in South Africa or Australia, but when you try to get through to the people that can make decisions of authority, you know, people in authority, you just can't get through to them anymore. They've got a barrier of secretaries or admin clerks. Go to the bank and say, can I speak to my bank manager? I, you know, I've got something really important to speak to him today. You'll never find him. He's hidden, he's on the golf course or something, you know, uh, he's making a big fat salary, hiding on the golf course all week, 
and you can't get in touch with him. But they can do whatever mm. they like with you. They can de decide that you have to now fill out six pages of, uh, you know, an application form for a bank account. It used to be one page. Now it's about six or seven with about a hundred pages of terms and conditions. And these are all things yeah. to fill up your time and control you. And at the end of the day, you're so busy. I mean, who looks at all these terms and conditions on the internet, for example, when you install mm. a new app? You don't. But if they ever wanted to get you into a court of law, a lawyer, to say you've done something wrong while you were using that app, they've got a hundred pages of terms and conditions to tell you what you've done mm. wrong. And, and, and this I find is where everything is becoming ridiculous. You know, they're just amending laws. Every week they amend new laws, bring out new laws. And, 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 and that doesn't involve the public. You know, they've even got private laws now for these foundations. Can you believe it? You've yeah. got public law and you've got private law. Well, what, what the heck is private law? Is it private? We're not allowed to know. Yeah. Uh, something no that, that occurred to me, something that occurred to me, Trevor, not, not too long ago, uh, maybe while I've been at TNT actually, is that I often joke about how useless the South African government is, completely inefficient, uh, inept, you know, way, way too corrupt to successfully oppress us, so to speak, in, in so many ways. Um, and then it occurred to me also that the more efficient a country's government is, the more likely it is to also clamp down on things like free speech and on your privacy. I would almost therefore say that we should be welcoming failed states because it, it, it then forces us to to become more self-reliant more independent and and less less reliant on the state absolutely um and w w which is one of the most efficient countries switzerland yeah all the buses run on time yeah. the trains run on time they're so efficient they're telling everybody what to do people are afraid to look left or right you know and uh, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, so I agree. And there are cameras yeah. everywhere and, 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 and people people will report you if you do something wrong and that sort of thing. Well, there never used to be cameras in, in the UK until about 19, I'd say about 1980. And when I first arrived in Switzerland, uh, the first thing I saw was a camera. And I'm talking 78, 79 was the first time I was in Switzerland. And that was a speed camera. Uh, and they were all over the place. Um, and I went to the UK uh, 15 years later, and I noticed that they were taking over the same sort of thing with this uh, closed-circuit television cameras everywhere, especially on the highway. And they were influenced by the Swiss uh, because they were yeah. using the old Swiss cameras, the ones that the Swiss, as the Swiss replaced them with new cameras, they sold the old cameras to the UK. Um, and the UK now has a camera on every corner, as you know, and you've probably heard about it. It's but, surveillance. But now, uh, but now you see, now you've been to South why? Africa, Trevor, so you will know, you will know that at least 50% of all surveillance cameras, including speed cameras in South Africa, are stolen. Look, most of them are broken or somebody will drive past with a gun and shoot and shoot one broken. I mean, th there's a joke with, with the speeding cameras here that you, you drive fast first time passed to see if it actually flashes. There's a good chance that it won't flash. Mm -hmm. Then you know it's not working. Then after that, you just keep driving fast past it because they hardly ever fix them. So, <laughs> so the, the government yeah. here, it puts up cameras, but now they don't work. So the cameras are just basically empty shells. <laughs> the, old, the old flash ones, you know what they used to do in Italy? They used to put brew cream on their number plate. Brew cream was a, a, a grease that you used to put in your hair. And, and, and it would get a flash back into the camera and he wouldn't pick it up. So the Swiss got over that by making infrared cameras uh, that, that can take a photo from the front as well as the back. In fact, I, I'll admit something here. I got caught speeding with one of those speed cameras. I won't say where. And I went into the uh, police station and handed it to them and they said, uh, you've got to pay it. It's a hundred whatever. And, uh, and I said, no, well, I, it wasn't me in the car. And he said, he wasn't. Nah. I said, well, my brother was visiting from South Africa, and it was him, and, and he, he thought it was lightning going off. So they said, okay, let's, we'll let this one go. 
Um, a friend of mine tried it a few years later, and he went into the police station, pulled the same trick, and the policeman said to him, are you sure it was your brother in the car? And he said, yes. And he just took out a photograph and pushed it in front of him, and he said, that looks like you to me. <laughs> so they That's had funny. a front camera rather than the one from the back. So, but anyway, if they're shooting at the cameras, uh, I'm all for it. I agree with it. Yeah, and also the other thing, and the other thing, yeah, exactly. And the other thing about having an, a very inefficient government is that that our government, for example, is not very good at centralizing things. So you can you can no. get a pile of speeding fines, simply not pay them, and life will continue as normal. Right, but why are they wanting to surveil everybody? What is this surveillance all about? To control people for what? They think that we cannot, you know, be a decent society mm. without their interference. Yeah. And it's, it's just getting, it's not just with speed cameras and camera, facial recognition in China, it's gone beyond it. You know, they're actually, there was, a, there was a group of students in the UK the other year when, well, the other year, I think David Cameron was still in, and they, were, they got the uh, contract from the government to go out and use these cameras for facial recognition. And they were bragging about it. And, and I, I thought it was highly unusual. Why would you want to go and photograph somebody? And, in, and uh, here we go back to the same story again. Privacy and secrecy. For who? Yes. You can keep a bank's uh, money laundering and tax evasion secret. And uh, what a lawyer does is secret. But everything you do must be open, open as a book. And why? Well, I, I mean, not the whole world is not bad. They're treating everybody as though they're criminals. This is the problem. You're a you're a, a potential criminal. So we've got to look at the whole of society like this. How can that be? You know. Um, what's interesting also is Allowed. one of our very big. Um, our big chain stores here in South Africa. Um, I know that there are equivalents around the world. Um, it's called Woolworths. And uh, they attempted, uh, I think last week, they put out a promotion to say that, that they are going to be going cashless. Um, and they said that it's due to a, a, a global campaign, which we all know what, what's going on here. They're trying to get a part of the sort of agenda 2030 goal to, to, to to basically implement digital ID and CBDCs, et cetera, to move and to force people away from cash. Mm -hmm. But the but the great mm -hmm. thing is that South Africans have spoken out on mass um, and and basically are calling for massive boycotts uh, because because they just won't accept this. And the great thing is, I think that in many ways people forget that the people, right, those us, you and you and I, have a lot more power than what I think those internationalists, those globalists, those oligarchs actually believe that they have. Yeah. Well, as far as this uh, central bank digital currency goes, uh, isn't that amazing that that's been introduced by the World Health, uh, Economic Forum as well, based in Switzerland? Mm. And it's come yes. after all the quantitative easing. You had quantitative easing worldwide printing trillions and trillions, and not billions, trillions with a T. And then when they got rid of all that money, who did they give it to? Well, they didn't print it. They gave it to their guys on Wall Street, and they gave it to the shareholders. And, the, and, and their stocks went higher. The price of stocks went higher. Now, mm. how do you reverse that? Those guys have bought up all the stocks with the money that was printed or IOUs in a computer, call it what you want. And now they've got to unwind those positions. But they're doing that with inflation. But now they're saying, how can we control the public society that they don't overspend, that we can actually limit their um, access to the resources that we've bought up all the assets and the commodities with the money mm -hmm. that we printed? We'll do that with central bank digital currency. This is all fitting together so well. And, you know, I go back to the same thing with the health and wealth. It's all based in Switzerland and people don't see this. And I don't blame the Swiss. It's not the Swiss doing this. It's other countries that are using Switzerland, just like Hitler 
used Switzerland to smash Nazi gold. They've always used Switzerland. Switzerland is the center point. And a lot of people don't realize it's the head of the snake for international settlements. Thing. Sorry? Is it the head of the snake, would you say? Absolutely. And Pascal Nayadi would back me up on that as well. Uh, if you've heard of him, Pascal Nayadi, you should speak with him mm. on TNT one day. Uh, he, he calls it the head of the snake, and he's got a few, quite a few videos online, and, and he's trying to get this out, uh, what happened with COVID, with Pfizer and all this. His main aim is about Pfizer because he's been harmed by the injection. I think he's uh, got three or four autoimmune disease now, and he's dying, so is his mother, and a few of his friends have died Incredible. from COVID injections. Yeah, so I mean, these, the thing is, we can all observe these things, and keep reporting on them and trying to bring them to the attention of audience and public. But how do we change it? And who do you replace these rotten governments with? These governments are corrupt from the top down. You know, it's, it's corruption. Trevor, they, we are... They've been corrupted. We are running out of time now, as you can maybe see. Um, as we come in maybe for a close, uh, can you give me a nugget of wisdom? Can I give you a nugget of wisdom? Yes, mm. I would do. I warn everybody out there to stay well away from whistleblowing. It just ruins people's lives. If you see something happening that's against the law, the last place to go to is the police or the prosecutors. Try and get a few honest, like-minded people together to stop this is where we have to start taking the law into our own hands because the, the, the lawmakers, the lawyers, the police force, the law enforcement officers are not doing their jobs properly. We've seen this in the UK. They will focus on speech for hours long about what a person's done wrong. But when children, innocent children, are being abused, they do hardly anything. So this, is, this would be my word to, the, to people as a advice. Stay away from whistleblowing. Trevor Kitchen, as always, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. No, it's a great pleasure. Uh, I look forward to chatting to you again, if, uh, if you don't mind at all. I always enjoy chatting to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right, uh, and uh, send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Thank you for uh, all the comments. Um, lots of varied comments. I'm not going to read any of them out loud now. But as I said, send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. I will catch you tomorrow. On behalf of Joel, Alex, and myself, it's been an absolute pleasure. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas.